What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And I'm Leif Gash. Leif Gash. I'm sitting here with Leif Gash. It's amazing we haven't done a podcast before <laughs> because we live in the same damn town. We're both climbing coaches, and I don't know how we haven't done this previously. Uh, like we were saying, you're, you're a busy man. I'm a busy man. Yeah, lots of, lots of plates in the air. Yeah. Um, tell us a little about you before we get started with this thing. Where can we find you on the internet and what you do? Sure. Um, you can find me. So I, I run Substrate Climbing Performance. Uh, I'm a climbing coach, like Chris said. And uh, you can find me at substrateclimbing.com. I grew up in Cody, north of here, and spent a lot of my youth in Lander, climbing at the Iris and the other local crags. And, um, I guess it was, yeah, during the pandemic, Lindsay, my wife and I moved back to Lander just sort of serendipitously. It was a happy mm -hmm. accident and we've been back here ever since built a house just up the road from you. And yeah, now we're here and really enjoying being back in Lander again. So. Yeah. And somehow, you know, this weird small town thing that happens, I think I saw you more when you lived in Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah. It's, than I it, do now. it's so funny because we always drive by and I'm like, man, I should really pop in and see Chris. <laughs> like he's right there daily almost. But yeah. Anyway, here we are. <laughs> yeah. And we're here to, to do a what, when, how to train episode on wild iris. That's kind of the premier area around here for a lot of for a lot of folks especially for folks coming in from out of town that's the thing that draws them i was just going to say for the plethora of climbing that we have here and all the very different styles uh, i feel like the iris is the one that yeah draws people they travel from destinations to come to the wild iris and it's unique yeah, and you know, I first came here for the International Climbers Festival. That's where I, I met you and your wife and actually recognized your dogs next time I saw you <laughs> at the Red River Gorge. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing you and Lindsay and the dogs walking through the Madness Cave and was like, oh, I, I met that that crew this summer, you know. We're distinct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And um and I just kept coming back here because I loved the community here and um, the festival was a lot of fun. And at the time, I feel like um, there was a bit of a lull in the like traveling to climb here at Wild Iris. Um, sure. It was first, uh, first popularized in the 90s by Todd Skinner, whose sister had uh, seen the cliffs at Wild Iris and called him and said, hey, this looks just like Southern France. You should come and check it out. Todd came, he looked at the cliffs, and then he never left. He just called his wife and was like, we're moving here. Pack the you know, up. Pack, <laughs> pack everything up. Bring it over. Yeah. And, uh, and then in 97, um, Wild Iris became home to one of the first 14As in the country to hold the grade, throw in the Houlihan. 
and was made famous by Masters of Stone. Uh, I don't remember which one, but... Number one. Was it number one? Yeah. Crazy. And, and you know, it, it became really popular, hit a lull, and I think it's being revitalized again, you know, by the Climbers Festival getting bigger and bigger and by the new, harder, modern roots. I think just by proximity... Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's all the crags behind the wild iris and yeah. the little Papoja and all these little satellite areas. And I think, yeah, just by proximity, you know, more people are being drawn to explore the area. Mm-hmm. But you have to drive right past the iris. And right. I think there's a lot of people that have said, oh, I've never done that or I've never been to that wall. And I still feel like when we talk to people who ask for, if we have friends coming through town, and they say, you know, what should I get on? And I say, well, have you been to, you know, whatever, the Bermuda? No, where's that? Mm-hmm. What's the backside of the iris? Oh, no, never been down there. Right. You know, been to the front side. Yep. So despite, I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not a huge crag, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, there's some, I think people are, like you say, they're rediscovering, yeah, this gem that's kind of always been hidden in plain sight. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's interesting you you use that phrase, hidden in plain sight, because you can, You can go to the iris a bunch of times, especially if you're here in the summer. You can walk in, you see the front side, you go there and climb. You might have no idea that there are these hidden crags down in the trees, um, that the erratic's sitting down there, the remuda's sitting down there. You could miss the entire OK Corral, actually, if you're only going to the front side. You know, know, like full disclosure, it took me the better part of a decade of cl- like 10 years worth of climbing at the iris before I went to the Zora wall. Wow. You know, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, whatever. I'm a little ashamed to admit that. <laughs> I, you know, I, it just goes to show you, I, I got so sucked into, you know, all the stuff that was yeah. right in front of you. And then it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I went to the Zora wall for the first time. I was like, how have I never been here? <laughs> Easy to do. I think, um, for the folks who are listening, who might be planning a trip to the wild iris, uh, let's talk a little about the area, the what of wild iris. So, um, talk to me about what characterizes the climbing here. Like when you, when you walk up to a crag and you're about to get on the wall, what are you about to encounter? Um, you know, the things that stand out, I'm, yeah, you know, I think, you know, I come from an art background like you and mm-hmm. I've always thought wild iris was a very visceral crag. Mm. Um, it's, I, I'm always, I'm still to this day blown away by the color, yeah. you know, the, the bleached bone white yeah. dolomite. That is so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always joke, like, bring your sunscreen. <laughs> it's, That's not a joke. That is not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people forget that you're climbing on a white billboard. Um, no, I mean, you know, the rock is very clean. Uh, that's the first thing that always strikes me is just how yeah. clean the feet, some of the features are. Um, I, you know, the, the climbing is very powerful. There are a lot of pockets, uh, the name, I mean, that, that's that what holds it's famous true, for, yeah. you know, um, and that's fine. I mean, that, I think people know that coming here. I don't think that's a surprise. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't give enough credit to how pockety the rock is. Yep. I've heard it akin to Bukes, uh, some other areas and yeah, like you say, Southern France. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say there's not edges and yeah. larger holds and it's, but it's, you know, the walls are very clean. There's not a lot of feature climbing. Mm-hmm. It's very much, you know, tech, I would consider it very technical face climbing really for the most part. Um, you know, roots are short, 
very oftentimes people say they're very powerful and that that certainly is the case but there's that's not always the case i think there's yeah. you know not necessary it's not like it's just you know pure power crag yeah and when you say short uh that's real like that's yes. not like oh they're not 250 feet they're not this oftentimes they're not even 50 feet. no and short needs <laughs> you're you're exactly right short needs to be qualified i i mean i think being God. a giant yourself <laughs> short short definitely needs to be qualified. short yeah, yeah i would say this uh yeah i mean there's a lot well case in point white buffalo at the okay corral that's yeah. been bouldered more than it's been rope climb mm -hmm. you know um yeah, 50 feet is a tall route at the Iris. Yeah. I think you can safely say there are certain sections of crag along the front side that are 30 feet and yeah. you're done. Mm -hmm. So yeah, short, uh, but yeah, beautiful. I love I love how clean the rock is. You know, you just don't yeah. encounter choss or flakes or looseness. I Yeah, it's very, yeah. it's just very clean and very pure. I especially like the feeling of walking up to the Rising from the Plains wall. Great name for that wall. It just pops out of nowhere. Um, I know you have some history on that wall. Um, and it is this like bone white little thing that just pops up. I mean, it out looks like a femur head sticking yeah. up out of the top of the mountain or something. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's tiny. But it's fierce. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's how so, I feel certainly, about Yeah, Iris. certainly tiny compared to a lot of the other stuff that I think a lot of people mm – -hmm. I, I, I will say that. I, I think people underestimate how short things are. Yeah. And consequently, I don't know, maybe the grading plays into that a little bit. I'm not sure. <clears throat> I haven't given that a ton of thought. But I do think people say, oh, well, it's really short. It's going to be – Maybe not that big of a deal, but there's a reason that <laughs> right. they get the grades that they do. And it, yeah, it packs right. a little bit of a punch. Yeah, totally. Um, I also think that the rodeo wave is kind of seen as the archetype by a lot of people, um, mm. at least these days. Um, and I don't think it should be because it's sort of an anomaly at it's the It's a complete Iris. anomaly. It's a complete anomaly. And I, the rodeo wave is not to be missed. I mean, if you are climbing roots of that those grades, yeah, you know, you, you, you owe it to yourself to at least sample it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, you know, the 45 degree panel is completely atypical of, you know, the style of the climbing. I, I, when I grew up and I heard about the iris before I'd even been here, it was fabled that it was a slab to a roof. Yeah. You know, that's how it was described to me. And I think that's a, a bit of an exaggeration, but oftentimes- But it's a better description than a 45-degree panel. Yeah, certainly know? of like, if you want to generalize the area, Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's pretty typical. You get a lot of vertical or off-vertical walls, and many of them are capped with that. You know, I call it the beer belly bulge mm -hmm. at the top. Um, not all of them, but many. Yeah. And I think that's far more typical. You know, vertical, off-vertical- slightly overhung face climbing. Yeah, and it's interesting that like gyms back in the day used to always have this feature that was like vert to roof to <laughs> like vert way again. back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> like way the back. originals. <laughs> <laughs> way back. Uh, they always had that feature, Yeah, you know? And now gyms almost never have that like box feature. It's always these big sweeping panels. Um, yeah. So... It's interesting to me that the popularity of Wild Iris sort of followed the popularity of gyms, you know, um, or gyms followed the popularity of Wild Iris, where it was more like, oh, a bunch of vertical walls, lightly overhanging walls, a big box feature you had to climb right, out, horizontal yeah. roofs, you know. And then as gyms got 
more like all 45s, um, Wild Iris sort of fell out of favor. Um, so it's cool to see it coming back. Yeah, and I was just going to say, when you mentioned that earlier, that that's the first thing that came to mind is that this was a very in vogue crag in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and then it, yeah, I mean, it just, it felt like it dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we'd go up there and we, you wouldn't see anybody. Right. Ever. I mean, and I don't, I don't, I'm not kidding when I say that. I mean, I remember the one of the, one evening climbing up there after work and we were blown away because we saw another park, a car parked in the, in the main parking mm. lot. We, you know, and they were out of state plates. Yeah. We just, we couldn't, who is this? <laughs> who, who actually, are they lost? You know? Yeah. You never see anybody there. And now, you know, if you go up in the summertime, certainly uh, during the, you know, the warmest months and around the festival, I mean, you can't hardly find parking. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it is, it's fun to see people coming back and revisiting this stuff. Yeah. And let's talk a little about the pockets. You mentioned that there are pockets. I once heard someone at the crag say, monos don't happen in nature. Uh, yeah. Don't, I don't want to sound like the curmudgeon old man. Yeah. That's, that is such a thing. That's not natural. I've heard that more times than I can count. Yeah. That's not natural. Yeah. And while there certainly are drilled pockets up there, there's glue filling in things up there. You know, that was the ethic back then. Um, if yeah. you if you stand at the base of the wall and look around, you can probably find 150 monos on any section of cliff. You know, they're everywhere. I mean, that's, I think it's rare for a lot of areas, you know, that have like, you know, they, I feel like a lot of places use the term pocket to describe something. And mm. it, maybe it is a single gas pocket, but the reality is the way, the dolomite and a lot of the limestone in this area was formed was predominantly gas pockets. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when I bolted rising from the plains and cowboy killer on that, that feature, I couldn't believe the two fingers that I was finding. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, these were yeah. made, these were sculpted. Now they always almost new pockets, almost always had that sharp lip on the front, mm-hmm. I mean, razor blade. So yeah. absolutely, you need to take a file to that and clean that up. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, seriously cut somebody. Yeah, and that's pretty standard yeah. on limestone. I mean- Mostly everywhere. Call it cleaning. That's all it is. A, you know, a clean root's a better root. That's, yeah. I'll stand behind that all day long. But yeah, monos exist. Mm-hmm. Natural monos, natural two fingers. Some of the wild, you know, kind of like sculpted things you can really like- dig your fingers into, you know, I think on the rodeo wave is a great example of that yeah. undercling on Stetson. Yep. That's exactly what I was I thinking mean, <laughs> when you made that, that motion. Right. You're like, and you're like, like, Oh, that's, that's, how does right that there. even work? But it's like, and it fits perfectly. And you're like, no way, but it, you, you can't create that with a drill bit. Right. So yeah. Um, no, lo- I mean, yeah. Pockets come here knowing there's going to be pockets and they are natural and there might be a, yeah, the handful that are helped out or enhanced or modified, but by and large, the vast majority, I mean, I would say 95% of what you're grabbing is natural. Yeah. And it's also characterized by, you know, we've talked about these like shields of white rock with these pockets and, um, a on siding is hard here. Yeah. You know, um, partly because the rock is white. It's hard to, you can't just follow the white spots like Heaven you do everywhere you try else. and climb in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no. <laughs> and it's these like spread out individual pockets. So there's, 
you feel like you're climbing on a spray wall tracking style. Like there's not a bunch of extra feet everywhere. No, and I think that's what, I think that you just hit the nail on the head. I think that's the one, I guess, characteristic that I hear a lot of kickback from people about the iris. It's like, oh man, it's so powerful. But I mean, a lot of times roots are purely tracking. Yeah. I mean, just the clean nature of the rock doesn't lend itself to a lot of, extraneous features. And I mean, that's not to say that they're not there, you know, I mean, there's certainly always, I mean, how bad do you want to use a foot over there? Like you can probably find something, right. but it's going to be, you know, sometimes it's really, really small. Yeah. And, and for the, of- for the newer climber listening, um, tracking is simply you're putting your feet on the same things you put your hands on. There aren't a bunch of extra footholds everywhere that you can use to position yourself. Yeah, which I was just going to say forces positions that yeah. are potentially uncomfortable or unnatural in, in yeah. ways. So Super yeah. interesting climbing. It, you know, it feels bouldery. Yeah. Um, you end up having to do a lot of big pulls between pockets. Um, you don't get the chance to like match or pair up on a hold near your hands, um, that yeah, not often that, that like at the red river gorge, you almost always have the option to pair up near your, your hand. Yeah. I can't think of two drastically different styles of climbing. Yeah. (laughs) And that's one of the things that really struck me when I first came here, um, as a red river climber and as an endurance climber, I was used to being able to, if I made a big move, that meant, Oh, I, I get to move my lower hand up right next to my yeah. higher hand somehow, you know, they might not be matched on the same hole, but I was going to pair up somehow. Sure. And here it's like, you do a big move. You might be doing another big move right after that, where your hand has to travel six feet, eight feet. You know, I can think of roots where you are doing literally isolated moves like that for eight or nine moves. Exactly. And tracking the entire time, which yeah. feels, I, I don't even know how I would describe that. Like, yeah, it feels like you're like, if you were to crawl on the ground, you know, on all fours, like how far can you reach? Right. You know, almost that, doing like a, I don't know, some sort of weird movement drill, but you're doing it on, you know, pockets up a vertical wall. <laughs> yeah. That's a good description. It's like this weird game of twister. Yeah. Where it can you be. have to reach yeah. all the way across the board. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah, can be. Not always, but yeah, certainly. Yeah. If, if you come here expecting the features of other areas, that's not always going to be the case. Yeah, and because of that, like I said, on-siding is really hard. If you get a sequence wrong when you're trying to read it, there might be no way to yeah. reset. You might have to entirely back out, you know, five moves down before yeah, you sure. can reset, or you just drop off and accept defeat. Yeah, I, I, I think that happens to all. That happens to me on routes that I've done. Yeah. You know, I go totally. back, oh, I haven't been on this in a while. And I climb on it and I'm like, oh, and here I am in no man's land. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is unretrievable at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I very distinctly remember, I can't remember what the name of the route was, but it was a 12C, I believe, on the front side. I, I was feeling great. Got to this two finger pocket with my left hand, realized, oh shit. <laughs> Next hold is a two finger, five feet to my right, or five feet to my left. Yeah. I've got my left hand in this pocket. There are no other holds. And this is not a rose move. And I have, <laughs> I have no way unless I want to like mono match this two right, finger, yeah. which was not happening for me. And I sat there with my hand in that two finger for probably 
three or four minutes before I just said, fuck it, and dropped off. <laughs> oh Nothing I could do. Right. You're like, the, like the smoke is coming out of your ears. Like you're like yeah. doing all the equations. Like, how can I salvage this? Yeah. It's no. <laughs> so much time looking for other holds that didn't exist. Yeah. That's, that's on sighting a wild iris. That's how. Common tale. Common tale. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you're planning a trip here, what sort of things do you need? Is there anything special that you need for wild iris? Um, special that you would need. I would say, I think this should be common, common for everybody going sport climbing now. I think you're, you're maybe not the brightest person if you aren't carrying one fairly regularly, but a stick clip is super useful here. Um, number one, because the landings are rocky, lots yeah. of like jagged dolomite laying on the ground. It's not a sandy landing like at military wall in the red. So if you, if you blow it before you get to the first bolt, you definitely risk twisting an ankle, if not worse. Um, so bring a stick clip for that sake. Um, number two, I think that you know, the moves right off the ground could be quite hard at the iris. Everything's compacted yes. into a 30-foot route, so it's more likely you're going to fall. And number three, if you're trying hard things, you're probably going to get stuck somewhere. So yeah. being able to clip through is nice. Uh, you know, I don't – I use my stick clip as a walking stick. I have a cane tip on the bottom of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's good for snakes, you know, for the, just living in the area. Um, so I just carry a stick clip with me wherever I go. Yeah. Uh, I've seen too many broken ankles. That's in my mind. I'm like, whatever, if you want to prove how bold you are, go trad climbing. This is sport climbing. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no place for that. So I, I consider stick clip, a, just an, a standard piece of equipment, but yes, absolutely. Um, I can think of many routes that look deceptively easy right off the ground. Yeah. And in that really dangerous zone, right? The, like the 10 feet, mm -hmm. eight feet up you're already into some real business that is very committing where like, yeah, if you don't, if you don't stick that move, you're coming all the way back down yep. on exactly not great landings on, e uh, even if there aren't boulders or big pieces of rock underneath you, you know, rarely is it flat. Right. It's almost always some sort of topo, you know, angle mm -hmm. topography. And the rock is slippery. Can be. Um, yeah. It doesn't, I mean, like most, I feel like some limestone is very frictiony. Mm -hmm. I would, I would categorize this dolomite as, less frictiony yeah especially the like well-traveled really good yeah um the warm-ups for the harder routes um devil wear spurs is one of the best routes up there quite slippery yeah i've blown off of that before the first bolt after having climbed it a hundred times yeah yeah i mean like most well-trafficked routes um yeah you you combine decades <laughs> of traffic mm -hmm. with a a, a type of rock that doesn't lend itself to great friction. And I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff is not uh, on the mostly popular routes or it can be very glassy. Yeah. So yeah, I would say a stick clip, uh, certainly, but you know, you don't need knee pads. There's no, there's no knee barring. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually got a knee bar on a route, uh, on the front side one day, BJ was belaying me and he very calmly said, if you don't come out of that knee bar right now, I'm going to pull you off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm just blown away that you found a knee bar at all. I'm, uh, th that's like the elusive fool's gold right there. Yeah. Like, where? I want to know. <laughs> Only one I've ever seen at the Iris. But. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Again, no, you know, not a lot of features, so you don't. You're not. You're not feature climbing. I would say, uh, you know, the uh, I don't know how to describe this as maybe like w- anything special, but the the location of the iris, the the position, the setting, altitude, sun. Mm-hmm. I, d- I think if you need if you need anything special other than a stick clip, it would be preparedness for the elements. Yeah, I think that ge- I think that gets more people than anything. Dehydration, sun, wind. Yeah, that can be a. V- it it might not seem like it that much, but I, I if I had to say anything that you need to be more prepared for, I would say be prepared for the elements and you know the environment that you're going to be climbing in. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I want to get into that, but before we do. Um, I got one more little bit of special equipment that I've found really helpful here that is like pro tip here. Do you remember the old Evolve Optimus Primes? Mm-hmm. They had a yeah. really blunt toe. Mm-hmm. Couldn't climb shit at Wild Iris in those shoes. Sure, yeah. Don't bring a blunt-toed shoe here. Right. Your pointiest-toed shoes are going to be your friends. Yes, that is, that is a great <laughs> point. That is that that might be truly a secret weapon here. Yeah. There there is a there is a massive difference between I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of like two very different shoe styles right now, but um, you know, you see a lot of solutions. I see tons yep. of solutions. Um, yeah, something with a very distinct point, not like, oh, these are kind of offset. Like you want a pointy, you want a pointy toe and you might actually be needing to step in a mono. Yeah. The harder the roots get, the smaller the pockets get, the smaller the feet are going to be. Cause like you said, you're tracking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's a really good point. All right. Let's, uh, let's move into the win. And I think this is when your, your, um, bring all the layers because you're <laughs> bring everything <laughs> who knows what the hell the weather's going to be really comes into play sure yeah when is the best time to climb at wild iris oh man <clears throat> the, i we're about my, to let out some secrets here oh yeah <laughs> my name you is, might be ostracized <laughs> from the community forever i was gonna say i see what you did you just set me up you teed me up for this one i'm not saying it by the way um, for everyone listening this is Leif talking <laughs> no i mean full disclosure yeah the best time to be here is not in the summer yeah it's just too hot it mm-hmm. is just too hot. And I see people all the time climbing in the blazing sun in July during the festival. And the festival is a fun time to be here yeah. for sure. It's not to be missed if you haven't been to one. But if you're talking, certainly if you're talking about climbing harder grades and harder routes, I, I feel like some of my best days at the Iris have been in October. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the the shoulder seasons, the the spring and fall, you know, I mean, what were middle of May and I know there was a big crew of people went up yesterday. Yep. And I'm told that the conditions were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think shoulder seasons are probably the best. But that being said, it's very difficult at that altitude. You know, the iris sits just at 9,000 feet, or I think it's just under 9,000 yep. feet at rising. You know, you're not climbing in the shade, certainly right. in October. It can right. be, I've done it before, but it is not enjoyable, um, especially on small pockets. That can mm-hmm. be really dangerous. So, you know, I would say early summer. You know, May, early June, uh, I think is a really good time to be up here in the spring. And then in the fall, you know, when you start getting into September, you start getting the cooler nights. I think that's a really nice time because especially probably the, yeah, I would say probably September because that's where you're starting to get the cooler nights 
and you still can climb on some of the shadier stuff on the backside. But if you do need to climb on the front, you're not absolutely cooking in the sun. You know, the temperatures are a little more manageable. Yeah, I think September is my pick for best wild iris month in general. Yeah. Um, The reason it's so popular in the summer is because there's there's not a lot of other places to climb in the U.S. in the summer. And it's not good. It's it's not bad in the summer by any means. It can just be, I just, it, it can be, if you're not prepared for the sun, and the yep. exposure that can that can ruin your day before it's even begun. Yeah, you know? it's really dry. Um, yeah. So if you're coming from you know the southeast where you're used to the humidity, it's going to feel like the best conditions you've ever climbed in <laughs> in the middle of July in the sun. Yeah. Um, I remember coming here for the first few years and listening to all of you locals being like. Oh, it's so humid today. And I'd be like, my <laughs> lips are cracking as I speak. It's yeah. not humid at all. You people are out of your minds. But now I'm in the same boat. I'm like, oh, it feels a little humid today. Oh, my God. You we're know. up to 20%. Should we Can't be climbing? Happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the water park. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the summer, yeah, the summer months, certainly around the festival, can be good. And you can get good days. I mean, yeah. you know, if you if you get one of those nice big thunderheads that rolls in in the mm-hmm. afternoon, you know, during the month of June or July or even August, yeah, you're psyched. I mean, you're kind of climbing anywhere. But it yeah. just, it can be. It's very dry. Altitude is a thing. And the wind, you know, it, it can, I mean, the wind can just rip up there. And I think mm-hmm. if you combine those three things, if it's sunny, windy, and you're a little dehydrated, it can it can feel a little overwhelming. Yeah, it can be a rough day up there if you're not prepared. And, yeah, and like you just mentioned with the big thunderhead that rolls through, you know it. That's a pretty normal thing up there to get some sort of afternoon shower. Some months um, you can set your watch by it. Yeah, yeah. and thunderstorms can be quick but aggressive up yeah. there. Um, uh, not uncommon to get a fluke snow or hailstorm, you know, for 30 yeah. seconds. Like that's, that can happen. Yeah, totally. So I think bringing all the layers is really important. You know, it might be a hundred degrees in town. Take a puffy with you. Always. Take yep. a raincoat with you. Be prepared to, to be cold, you know, take pants. It's, it, I almost will never go up regardless of what time of year it is. I, you know, if, and certainly in the summer, if I, you know, if I leave town and I'm in shorts and a tank top, I make sure I have pants, some sort of long sleeve layer and some sort of at least light puffy. Yeah. You know, you don't need, you don't need the big ones, but at least some sort of jacket. Yeah, um, absolutely. And half the time you don't need it, you know, and, and you're, you're fine, but heaven forbid, everybody, every local has been up there at one point where you say, I'm not going to take anything. I'll be <laughs> fine. Oh my God. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you get and you and you get hosed. You, you know, you're, you're you're walking out in the rain with the rope bag draped over you or something. Yeah, you know? I mean that's that's happened to a lot of people. So yeah, totally. Have you ever been caught in any like really crazy storms up there? Yes, I. Th- I'm. I mean, I think very specifically when I just mentioned that there is there was one day I we were young. I was young. I was with Jeremy Rowan. And he and I went up there in the summer. And, you know, it was 95 in town or mm-hmm. something like that. And we're like, we'll go up to the Iris. It's going to be so much better. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I was, I was in a tank top and shorts. So was he. Didn't think anything of it. And we were climbing at the hot tamale wall. And this just massive thunderstorm moved in and just proceeded to dump. I mean, just 
pouring rain and wind, you know, driving wind. And we yeah. were hunkered underneath um, Crazy Hurst over there on the left side in that little tiny, it's not even a cave, it's a tiny little overhang. And we were like, this is, this isn't letting up. We got to get out of here. And, yeah. you know, there was lightning and we ran out of there. I remember I had the rope tarp like draped over me, just get, and, you know, get to the, got to the car just soaked. Yeah. I'm like, and it can get scary going out of there on those ridges when it's a, a full on lightning storm. Yeah. A little exposed. And yeah, immediately you're regretting the stick clip decision. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's funny. You can You're tell just them handing it to your shorter partners. Yeah. Like, you well, carry it's this. funny because everybody uses them as walking sticks. And then the, the, the first crack of lightning happens and everybody just holds them <laughs> flat, like real low to the ground. You know, I'm like, kind of running so yeah. yeah i remember being up there with annalisa one summer evening and we were over at um aspen glade wall and big thunderstorm just rolls in lightning cracking and hitting the ridges and she's a little terrified of it and i'm like i used to i used to be really into landscape photography and i'm like I, I'm just waiting for the rainbow. Like, there's going to be rainbows. It's going to be fucking amazing up here in 20 minutes, you know. And she, <laughs> we end up going down into the Aspens um, because yeah. we were like, I don't, we don't want to stand up near this cliff on these ridges. And we go down into the Aspens and there's there's lightning cracking all over around us, you know. And you can feel the electricity in the air. And sure enough, it, clears up the sun comes back out these massive double rainbows you know just gorgeous and i'm like stand right there let me take your picture <laughs> and she she's just staring at me and i have a photo of this moment and you can see it in her face and she goes fuck you and your rainbows <laughs> <laughs> i have a hard time seeing your wife say that but uh that's awesome <laughs> I'll, I'll see if i could dig that photo up uh, for, for these posts but <laughs> Uh, yeah, it it can be really aggressive, but it can also be really beautiful. It's it, worth it's worth I think on that yeah, it's just worth being prepared. You know, don't if you think you might there's a chance you might need the jacket, yeah, bring it, you know. Yeah, and if you're like if you're a person who really enjoys the social aspect of climbing and and that's what you're like out for coming for the climbers festival, uh, Wild Iris is going to be busy, but it's going to be a lot of fun gonna be a lot yeah. of people there um if you're a curmudgeon like me and you're not interested in the crowds <laughs> coming in july is not the beta <laughs> it can well and that can feel pretty overwhelming you know i we haven't yeah. really talked necessarily about like the scope of the crag itself of the cliff the main mm -hmm. certainly the main cliff itself but yep. you know the walls are kind of broken up into these little chunks uh you know it's not like one just clean giant band of rock and mm -hmm. so you know, certainly I, the hot tamale wall is one that always comes to mind because it's such a good wall. I mean, yeah, every so route good. on that wall is amazing. And, but you know, if you have four parties there, it's busy. Mm -hmm. During the festival, you might be, there might be 12 parties there. You yeah. know, it might be three deep on some routes and that can, and you know, there's not a ton of space at the base of the wall. Like that, it can feel overwhelming if there's big crowds. Totally. If you're, if you thrive on that or if that's part of your climbing experience, you're going to be super psyched. Yeah, you know, but if you want to go up there and just say, "Oh, I want to get on X route and X route and X route," yeah, that might not happen during that time. So, yeah, I agree. That's that's good beta. You know, it, it definitely does split up into little chunks. Um, so it's also, you know, if you roll up and there's parties, 
at your little chunk and it feels too overwhelming, it's entirely possible that the next little chunk down the wall, mm-hmm. um, as you get further from like the main popular central areas, sure, might yep. be totally empty. Well, and, and if you're willing to hike a little bit more, you know, uh, we keep talking about the backside. And again, for, you know, the topography of the place, there's, the, you know, kind of the main wall, but then the quote unquote backside is actually separate satellite crags mm-hmm. that face north. But, you know, if you go down to the lower Remuda, rarely have I ever gone down there and seen crowds. Right. You know, yeah. there you might run into maybe another party or two, but mm-hmm. I feel like rarely do you actually, will, will people walk that far back? You know, I don't know, what, right. 20 minutes from the car yeah. maybe? Yeah. From the from the Aspen Glade parking lot? I don't know. A little bit further. Certainly if, if you're parking at the main lot. Yeah. I think it's like an hour to get back there. Yeah. But um, now we've got some better parking beta, so... Yeah, you can, yeah, you can, oftentimes you can spread out if you're willing to be a little flexible. I think so. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about the how. That's what people are here for. They want to know, how the hell do you prepare for wild iris? And I think, actually, like when I was learning to climb um, in the 90s in the gyms, it was a little easier because two finger pockets were like the rage yeah. back then. You know, <laughs> every gym had hundreds of Yuniro two finger pockets everywhere. Um, so when I first came here, I felt really prepared. Um, but that may not be the case for everybody. No. And I, as much as I hate to say that there's, I think, one thing that you need. Because, you know, as a coach, I'm sure you feel the same way. There, I don't ever believe in a magic bullet. I'm, right. I, don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that, well, if you just do this one thing, right. that's really going to make a big difference. It, but I would say for the wild iris, if you've not been here and you really do want to train for it and you want to prepare and come here with, you know, your, your one-week vacation and really maximize that, if there is one thing, it would be having good, strong fingers that are ready and prepared for pocket climbing. Yeah, and that includes spending some time climbing on pockets. I Absolutely, think, I think that is probably the biggest. Yeah, that's the biggest advantage you could give yourself. Yeah, I'm glad you said specifically climbing on pockets because while I think hanging on pockets, hanging on two fingers, sure, can yeah. can be really helpful. And you know, if you've got nothing else, then great, you should do that. But Climbing on pockets is a different game than hanging on pockets. Yes. You know, the torque is different. Um, I was just going to say, like, moving, you know. Yeah. I mean, there, I, don't, I can't think of – there are so many routes where, yeah, you might take a pocket one way, but as you're moving up the wall, it goes – you know, I mean, you're twisting yep. it 360 degrees or something, you know, or, or, you know, matching in it or – I mean, it's just – it's a very different – yeah, pockets are not – you know, most climbing holds are directional. Yeah. And pockets are often multi-directional and yep. necess- and they need to be multi-directional for that specific sequence or that route or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I would agree with you on that. Just hanging on pockets, great. If that's all you've got, do that. That's gonna be a leg up. But certainly actually spending some time climbing on pocketed sequences. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, even like the the precision of landing in a pocket, like if you're doing a big move, landing a pocket is wildly different than slapping a sloper that's so common in in big commercial gyms. I mean, gyms yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier to dead point a crimp than it is yeah. a two finger at your max extension, you know. Totally. Yeah. So those are super important skills to to learn. I also think, you know, and this is maybe another one of those tips like the pointy shoes, but 
maximize being able to use your back three fingers. I think at the wild iris, especially if you're doing a lot of like crossing into a pocket, um, this is going to be a visual demonstration, so it's going to be hard to get on a podcast. <laughs> but you know, if you if you imagine you're crossing o- across your body, big cross to a pocket, your front three fingers don't form a straight line. Most of us don't. So if you're trying to cross into a pocket, you're only going to get the middle two into there. Yeah, um, the front one might not make it into the pocket if it's relatively shallow. But your back three do form this straight line that you can dig into a pocket when you're making these big crosses. And sometimes back three and a straight line just fits better than those front three. I was just going to say, while there are pockets here that are very specific, uh, not specific, but like they're, I think this is why people think they're fake because you'll look at them and they're just, they have this real uniform shape or feature to Mm -hmm. them. And they're like, "That, that can't form naturally. That happens, but a lot of them aren't. Right, And they will be significantly deeper on one side and mm-hmm. shallower on the other. And that's where that back three, the back team, I mean, really, if you want to be as prepared as possible, you need to be able to use front team, middle team, and back three. Like, yep. have all of those at the ready. Totally. But I think that is, that, that's a skill that we don't, you know, that you don't, you don't come across that, certainly in any sort of gym yeah. setting, you know, mm-hmm. um, where, there, and it will make a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, whether you're using, I mean, sometimes, you know, the front team fits perfect and other times it doesn't fit at all, but middle team fits fine, you yep. know? So, I mean, you, sometimes you have to just play around with that. Yeah. And that's good beta for when you're, if you're working on something hard here, you know, projecting something, try out the different teams of fingers in these pockets because, you know, you might prefer just using your middle two, but your front two might fit so much better and make the difference. It can be game changing. Yeah. Like truly game changing from I can't do this move to, oh, okay, and we're on to the next. Yeah, and yeah. another feature of the pockets here, um, when you're climbing, when you hit a pocket, don't just accept that that's the pocket. Yeah. You, you might find another <laughs> yeah. sub pocket hidden inside the pocket that changes the way you hold it, that makes it easier. Yeah, I well, and, and to kind of like recycle back to your comment about onsighting being hard here, I think that's, you know, certainly if you're climbing gosh, I don't know. I'm thinking of Smith rock. Like it's pretty easy to look at holds when you're climbing at Smith and say like, there's the thumb chalk. That's what, you know, this is the sequence. This is what I'm going to do. The holds aren't, you know, they're not big, huge rails. It's like, you know how you need to grab those more or less, you know, within a few degrees, but it can be really challenging here. Yeah. If you take a pocket wrong and you don't know, oh, actually, if you twist up on that thing and kind of like take it like a side pull, you know, that mm-hmm. that's that's a jug but if you pull straight down on it that's right. not very good at all you know yep. so lots of that twisting mm-hmm. into a pocket happens which here. is going to happen inherently i think in the style of climbing too where you know it's not like you're you're grabbing things and then pulling straight down the entire time you're almost right. always twisting on which i think that again you know skin uh, you know i don't know if we're going to talk about skin care but that's yep. a that can be a real thing yeah if you have the option to climb on sharp pockets, you know, <laughs> then you should absolutely prepare yourself by climbing on some sharp pockets because you're going to build up calluses on the sides of your fingers as opposed to just on the pads. Yeah. I was going to, I mean, I feel like every time I get into a route or start getting into a season where we're going to be up there a bunch and it's like, oh man, this, the pocket, we call it pocket skin yep. and it's, it's not your pads. It's not your tips. 
it's that really soft stuff on the sides that mm-hmm. most climbers never, I mean, it's virgin skin for a lot of people. Yeah. And that can be, I mean, that can be like limiting in your day. You know, if you are twisting on something repeatedly, I mean, it's pretty easy to cut through that if you're not, if you're not calloused up. So. Yeah, absolutely. And some beta that I like if you're climbing on, you know, there, there are enough sharp pockets here that you're going to encounter one. Yeah, eventually. And, <laughs> and if the sides of your fingers aren't prepared for it, you're probably going to get pretty tender quickly and not want to grab that pocket again. Um, so I really like to, if I'm working on something that that has a sharp pocket on it, that I know I'm going to be digging into the sides of my fingers, I like to pre-tape. Yeah. Um, tape up for those working goes. I really like our circuit tape. A lot of the locals here use our circuit tape exactly for this reason. Um, tape up the sides of your fingers where the pocket hits. And then when you're feeling like, okay, red point time, if you don't feel good climbing with tape, then you can take it off and you've got fresh skin. Yeah, the prophylactic tape can be a game changer in in just in how many goes you can get in a day Yeah, on certain things. I mean, that can be the difference between I get a couple of tries on this versus, oh, I can spend an hour, you know, working out these sequences. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, One of the things I noticed about Wild Iris when I first started climbing here is that like – coming up through the grades, the five nines, the five tens, you might find a a random mono on a five nine that Mm -hmm. makes the move (laughs) easier, you know? Um, and the pot, you will find some small pockets on some of the lower level climbs. Um, so building up through the grades here makes perfect sense in that regard, you know, which I think is really, really cool. Um, yeah. But a lot of climbing areas have a, a, a distinct spot where things really shift or a new skill is really valuable to have. Um, and I think Wild Iris, there's, a, there's a, a really distinct place because a lot of the five, you know, 5'11 and below um, are mostly vertical mm-hmm. um, or very lightly overhanging. Yeah, it's uh, and very then once you get past it, you start to get some really steeper sections of climbs and smaller holds. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, in my mind, I always think of the iris as being very linear in terms of mm-hmm. how you can progress through the grades. Mm-hmm. Where you just said it, you said it perfectly. There's a lot of areas where you get if you want to break into a new grade, you need to have X skill now in your right. you know in your repertoire. Um, that's, I don't really feel like that's the case here. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, if you work your way through the five tens, they prepare you very well for the five elevens. And yeah. if you work your way through those, they prepare you very well for the five twelves. You do start to get into some different terrain. You know, I can't think of hardly any five tens that go through any of the beer belly bulges, you know, right. through the big roofs. Yeah. You're almost um, always really standing on your feet mm-hmm, on yeah. five tens here. But, you know, and I don't want to say that it's that it is truly linear, but yeah, typically the pockets on like the easier routes, the lower grade routes are bigger. Yeah, there might be a small one, but chances are you're going to use it and you're going to have good feet and then you're exactly. going to go right back to another jug or another big pocket or edge yep. or something like that. Um but yes, there yeah, you you kind of I think the holds do tend to get a little bit smaller. You do my, and this is, I, I, I can't say this scientifically. I haven't gone through the guidebook and like actually noted this, but <laughs> off the top of my head, I can't think of a 513 plus route that doesn't have a mono on it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, across the board. Yeah. I might be missing one, but you know, I mean, 
what I guess what I'm getting at is that at, at as you progress through the grade, certainly in the five twelve range, you're going to start to get into some smaller pockets. Might not necessarily be monos, but you're certainly going to have something shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get into five thirteen, yeah, you you should definitely be prepared to climb on. You know, smaller, shallower two finger pockets, probably with, a mono with less feet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so and more of your weight's going to be on those fingers. You know, the, a lot of the five thirteens tackle some of those steeper features, yeah. um, which are really cool. It's a very different style of climbing yeah. compared to you know some of the. I mean, I, I think of a route like Boy is a great example, or anything mm-hmm. down in the Cowboy Poetry where you, you know, you climb on. You would bring up that route. <laughs> it's just it's the one that sticks Such out. Such a of my gigantic mind. move. It's kind of it's a little <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the full route is take your hat off boy take yeah. your hat off is the 510 and then boy is the extension yeah and, and take your hat off is a really good example because there is a mono right at the bottom that i think is the easiest way to do the move you've got a huge foot mm-hmm. but it's this great mono pocket and you're like oh i'm on a 510 and i'm doing a i'm making a big pull off of a mono and you know what there that's where training for like getting yourself familiar with pulling on pockets. Yeah. If you've never done it before, I feel I have a very distinct memory of friends from Colorado years ago when we were teenagers. Um and and again it's a visual reference, but you know, you want to hang on your you want to try and hang on the joint. You want to find a nice right. spot where a joint kind of contacts the lip. And sometimes that means taking things shallower. Mm-hmm. Um but they were just sticking their finger in straight, straight in. and just like trying to keep the finger straight. And I walked around the car, I was like, stop, stop, what are you doing? Um, you know, yeah, we're, yeah, if you're, if you're a little familiar with the pockets, yeah, monos don't have to be scary. They just need a modicum of respect, you know? Yeah. So, well, that you just brought up another skill that I think is really interesting that wild iris, you have to be somewhat proficient, especially if you're climbing at like the 513 level at Wild Iris that you maybe don't encounter very many other places. And that's that you have to be able to do these like broken up pulls where you do a big move, you grab a hold, and then you have to pull your hand out of the pocket before you make the upward momentum for the next move. Yeah. Um, Uh. A lot of people here have broken fingers, um, getting them stuck in pockets because they're initiating this big move before they pull their hand out of the pocket. That route, last man. Last man that is, is notorious. The one that it gets everyone. I've yeah. done it. Lindsay's done I don't know anyone that's climbed on that route that hasn't done that, where you reach up, you get, you take a really yep. good mono and you reach up to that really good pocket and then you have to go again. You have to go with the, the left hand and that everybody initially buries that mono because yep. you can. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about, I need to pull this thing out and get it ready. And everybody, I mean, I, you hear that crack and you yep. just know you're like, oh, somebody's on last, man. <laughs> yep. I ratcheted my finger on that pocket. Yeah. And then I ended up not even grabbing it for the rest of the time. I was grabbing some little crimp near yeah. it. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to break my finger. And on again, this thing. that's like, that's just a skill that unless you've, you've practiced climbing on pockets, you would never think that. When exactly. do, when, you know, it's not like your hand ever gets stuck in a jam. Right. You know, like your hand never gets stuck in a crimp. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just, it's a very different and very unique uh, aspect of climbing on on deeper pockets, certainly. Yeah. So, and tight fitting pockets, I should say too. Yep. Yeah. So, and that's sort of, you know, that, that ability to pull your hand out of a pocket and then make a big move off of, you know, not having anything to pull with, with that low hand. Um, I think that's a, 
a skill we've mentioned already. You're making big pulls, but I think in the five twelve range at Wild Iris is where it really starts to come into play in a in a big way. Yeah, you know, if you think of things like um, uh, burnt beans or um, what's the other twelve B back there? Court and Spark. Court and Spark. Yeah. Um, big moves, and it's that's where the ability to not have to pair up in the middle of a move comes into play. Yeah, very isolated moves. Yeah, so the moves are big, but they're not like like weeding out the the height of a person big. It's more like you might do a three-foot move and then do another – the next hold is three feet further, so then you're doing a six-foot move. Mm-hmm. And you could still be relatively short and make these moves work. In fact, that might even – be to your benefit to be able to get high feet. Right. Some with some of those things moves, maybe you fit you know? in the box better. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that's a a skill that comes into play at the 512 level. Yeah. And I, you know, I think about I've had people ask me, you know, I don't know, just in, you know, you talk about grades and and I I don't like to put too much stock into it, but they are. I mean, they're a measuring tool, you know, and yeah, I think that's a, for sure. And that's important at a place like this that can be so fingery for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that's important. You know, I think the lower grades, you know, certainly your, your anything, you know, call it mid five eleven and under is very, can be very, it, for the most part is very recreational climbing. It's really fun. Some of my favorite routes, my, the most enjoyable routes at the IRS, I would say are, are five elevens and five tens. For sure. They're just like, it's just giggle climbing, you know, yeah. it's just fun climbing. Yeah. Um, when you, when you, kind of start working into 11 plus, certainly 512 and definitely 513. Um, it's, it's, there, there's more necessity for specificity in the route and mm-hmm. how you're climbing it and having some sort of skill set that you can kind of draw on and some sort of experience because not that it doesn't happen, but rarely do people just walk up here and say like, oh, that looks like a cool 512. And then they just, you know, flash it or on site it and like, oh, I have a, I'm gonna have a whole day like that. Like that doesn't happen all no. that often. So, yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I'm glad you said that some of the best climbing here is at the lower grades. Um, I think, especially if you like, if you want to master those styles that are, that you need in the, the harder routes here, like the big pools that can be really fucking fun. Like so much fun doing that style of climbing. You just feel like you're swimming, you know, um, that stuff is available at the, at the lower levels. There are some really amazing tens and elevens, Mm -hmm. um, devil wear spurs comes to mind. There's some big pulls between holds that you can avoid. You can like crimp on little tiny things in between, but you can also really learn how to master that style by skipping some of the tiny little intermediate stuff on those yeah. routes, and they become really fun then. The devil is a perfect example. Yeah, there's – I mean, that route has seen so much traffic at this point. There's just shit chalked up everywhere that doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, small thing – and fine, you know, whatever. People yeah. need that, and that's how – that helps them. Oh, the first time I did it, I think I grabbed everything. Just like all of it. But once, you know I, – and I don't know. I think – I remember talking to BJ years ago, and we were like, how many times have we done the devil? And we just did like a quick, you know – campfire math assessment. And yeah. I think we figured that we'd done it close to a thousand times. I believe it. And 
I have a sequence now. I could do that thing in my sleep, mm-hmm. blindfolded, backwards, you know, whatever. Totally. But I know very specifically, like, yeah, there's certain holds I skip because it's just more fun. It's, it flows so well. Yeah. I know, you know, I'm like, oh, no, skip that little tooth thing and just go a little bit deeper to the, the big pocket. And, mm-hmm. um, and that is a per- that's a perfect example of, yeah, that is the exact kind of movement that you will experience on roots like Hortonspark or- yep. You know, um, silver belly is the other one that comes to mind, like yeah. big, isolated, long. And when you actually do it, you're like, man, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, you feel so cool, so flowy. Well, or, you know, even for the, you know, for the, for the hardest roots, like the Houlihan is a great example. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, what, it's like 11 moves, Yeah, you know, to the top of that. Maybe it's more than that. I can't remember, but it's, yeah, you know, I mean that you, you climb a trim, I mean, you climb the entire length of that block in, yeah, two handfuls of moves. Yeah. And I, you know, there are roots like, say, wind and rattlesnakes. There's the this one panel in the middle of the root where there's one pocket in the center of the panel, and yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. Know? You do yeah. a big move to the pocket. You do a big move off of the pocket. And it's so fun. It's so cool. And you can prepare really well yeah. um, on the, the Devil Wear Spurs, the 10Ds, the 11Bs yeah. um, for that style of move. And I actually think... While the gym, the the normal commercial gym setting doesn't always set you up well for it, I think if you use a little um, of your own like rule making, you can set yourself up well for that style by yeah. just not allowing yourself to pair up. You know, force yourself to move between the holds without pairing up all the time, and yeah. and you'll be w- really well prepared for wild iris. Yeah, I, 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 that's a, that's a whole other podcast when we talk about gym setting. But I, I have clients that struggle with that a lot because they're like, oh, the gym's not set for doing this. You know, moves like exactly like we're talking about, mm-hmm. and I, I will often tell them like, no, you, you might have to build this. Like, you might actually, you might actually have to put a little thought into what you're going to grab. Yeah. But it's worth it. It's worth paying attention to that. And especially, like you said, you know, it used to be pockets were abundant yeah. in climbing gyms. And they're just, I mean, you, you know, you come across a few here and they're there. They're making a comeback. Yeah. But rarely do that, you know, I mean, rarely are you going to go to a major commercial gym and do a 60-foot route on two fingers. You know, that's yeah. that's not really going to happen. Um, but being, yeah, having that awareness and being prepared for that can be, yeah, that can be terribly beneficial in preparing for this place. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Let's uh for the folks who are planning a trip here, people love tick lists. I love tick lists. You know, I love having boxes to check. Check the boxes, man. <laughs> let's uh let's give some some of our favorites, our must-dos. Um let's start with 5, 10 and under. What's your give me your number 1 or whatever uh, comes to mind I first. I knew you're going to ask me this. And then uh. we'll put a list of of extras in the blog post for this podcast. Um, so five, 10 or under what's your number one. There are, uh, there are a lot. There are, of, and of, there are a lot and, of great ones. And they're hard. That's, that's actually a difficult question because I know, I know what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. but I say it conflicted because <laughs> I, I am, I am, I, I, and I say this, it's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. Um, I'm going to, I know what you're going to say too, I think. <laughs> and I'm going to give a different one just because I think I'm going to say the same thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think for five ten and under, I think the Devil Wear Spurs yeah. is 
one of the single finest pitches of rock climbing up there. And there could be a debate for whether that should be in the 511 category Absolutely. or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, yeah, the Devil Worshippers is rated 10D. Hard. Um and like we were talking about, you know, there there's a lot of there's a lot of small stuff on that route that's chalked up. Yeah. And there's but and, and I like doing it kind of the bigger sweeping way through those pockets. Um I I like the Devil because it is it's friendly. Yep. And there's there's nothing threatening on that route. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the average five ten climber that's new to pockets, e- even at the ten D, you know, possibly maybe a li- feels a little bit harder than that grade. Yeah. You're you, you, the chances of you hurting yourself on that are, are slim. Um, I have one hundred percent. I have caught a five fourteen plus climber who fell off of their onsite on Devil Wear Spurs. So if you're a 10D climber and you're gunning for the devil, don't feel bad if it feels really hard for you. And that's what makes, that's, that's the reason I say that's my favorite because there's a lot of other 510s that are just as enjoyable, but less thought provoking. Yeah. For the devil, you, there, even at 10D, it requires, you know, good route finding, good route reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I, yeah, in my mind for the package, I, I mean, I, I'd be I'd be remiss to not say that. So yeah, yep, devil. All right, I was gonna say devil as well, but I knew you were going there. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna say this one's a little more accessible. I think also very fun, and it has another one right next to it that's just a step up. So I'm gonna say claim jumper at OK Corral. Nice, yeah, really fun, um, and really kind of fits the archetypal wild iris style like slabby mm-hmm. on your feet to an overhanging section at the top yeah so. and again like comfortable holds yep like yeah well bolted like very approachable to grade yep there's a distinct easier sequence or you can make it quite a bit harder if you want to mm-hmm. um, yeah which i think is what happens at a lot of the wild iris yeah all right let's go 511 what's your pick Oh, and that's a tough one. I feel like 511's tough because they're all going to be tough. Like. Well, I know, well, but I don't know. <laughs> 511's tough and I think and this is why I say that because 511 there's a big difference between 11A and 11D. No doubt. Big difference. No um, doubt. You know, if, at, I I don't, I don't know many 11As that require, you know, small pocket pulling. I mean, they they're, they're there, but mm-hmm. um uh I I'm going to go with I think my favorite is probably Zoro. At the Zora wall. Good one. Yeah. I think it's overlooked because it's, you know, and that uh, it's that was one of the very first crags bolted up there. It was bolted before the main wall. Yeah. And it's just, it's overlooked. It's kind of hidden back there. Again, hidden in plain sight. Yeah. But I think, I think Zoro is, yeah, it's, it's not as trafficked as other things, but it is, it's got amazing movement. It's got cool holds. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Now you now you've got me reeling a little bit because I was gonna go. I thought I knew what you were gonna say, so I was gonna choose something different. But you didn't choose what I thought you were gonna. What do you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna say cowboy poetry. So I think that's yeah. gonna be my pick. Yeah. No. Great one. Yeah, that's great. I think it's fantastic. Though, though I will say I'm breaking my own rule here. The eleven <laughs> right next to claim jumper Winchester pump is also amazing. 
Well, I was hoping you were going to mention that one. Cause I mean, that's when you said, you know, claim jumper, I'm like, well, that's, I mean, that's just where you can, you know, that's like wind river rose in the shootest. I mean, you just, exactly. how often do you stack two roots that are just exactly one step above the other one, but like both are must do's. Yeah. You know, so. so good. Yeah. All right. Five twelve. <clears throat> good Ooh. luck. No, don't eat it. American mm. beauty. Ah, all right. I like it. American beauty at the Aspen Glade. Tell me about it. Um, the Aspen Glade, for those that aren't familiar, is is another one of these satellite crags off the backside. Um, uh, what's really cool about tough crag in the summer. Yeah, it sits down lower. You you hike up onto the ridge and then you descend back down into the valley. And so it kind of sits nestled. It it faces south, but it sits nestled in that you know kind of in that little nook. And it's it's a bit of a solar collector, maybe more so than than even the front side on yeah, the main wall. I think so. Um, I don't think it gets the wind that you know, at least the main wall yep. gets. If you're here in the summer, evenings are the time for the Aspen yeah. Glade wall. Yeah. But the cool thing about the Aspen Glade and then that's in that section in particular is that it is the tallest of all of the walls. Uh maybe that maybe that Rodeo Queen buttress is mm-hmm. as tall across the way. But I mean it's 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 cool. I mean you actually get like, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 feet out of those roots, I think. Yeah. Um but American Beauty is so – I really love it at 12B. It's got a long kind of like – I guess it's a little slabby down low. But like we'll call it a vertical panel of climbing. And then it is capped by another one of the, you know, the big beer belly bulge roofs. Mm-hmm. And it is – Maybe the most famous beer belly bulge. It's, it's, it is – yeah, you can you can get the hero shot on that thing yeah. very easily. And and you've you've all seen – the photo of of that bulge you just didn't know that yeah. this amazing 512 is on that yeah there was like an old really famous photo of jason campbell i think that yeah it was I it think. was sandra it was either sandra or scott's photo of jason yeah. on cowboy king and and since then every photographer who's ever come to wild iris has taken the same photo of i someone. mean it's an epic hero shot yeah you no know doubt. like yeah it's really cool but america the movement on american beauty is really cool and i think it is very typical of the type of climbing that 512 yields, uh, you know, a lot of two fingers, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of technical, you know, like hard technical pulls, but you get a nice rest right at the top. And then, you know, and it's kind of intimidating, you know, it's sort of like totally. the first time you're in the madness cave or something. You almost you look, wish you didn't have that rest. Yeah. You look out you behind you and climbing. the draws are hanging straight down and, yep. and the whole valley is behind you. And it's like, Ooh, this is a little, little airy, but then yeah. you cast into that, that final, yeah, I don't even know what it is. I mean, not, it's not even that long, like 10 or 15 feet of overhanging climbing. And it's just, I would call that hero climbing too. You know, it's just totally. the, the holds are comfortable. The feet are right where you want them. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you're like, I want a two finger right there. And it's, you know, sinker and the, the position and the exposure is just, yeah, that's, I think it, it, it typify or yeah, typifies like what I would call wild iris climbing, but you get so much of it compared yeah. to other, other really good five twelves that are, you know, over in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a really good pick. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about the like proximity to the like the photo of wild iris and very much fits the archetypal style and you know what what people thought of wild iris looked like forever yeah yeah definitely that's a really good pick i'm going wind and rattlesnakes nice um i have good memories of it it's got a cool history here um fa'd by amy skinner bolted by todd skinner 
Um, I also just, very typical root. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's boilerplate wild iris right there. Yeah, really, really good little hang down by that root. You know, um, I just have great memories there. It was uh, I went climbing up at the iris with my friend Yasmin and BJ on uh, one of my first trips here, and BJ took us over to that, and and I onsighted it. Um, probably my proudest onsite at the iris at the time, you know, and, and then belaying my wife on it for a while while she worked on it and, and took some like big falls off of it, really going for it, which was <laughs> not cool. typical for her. Um, so yeah, I have great memories of that route and that's the one for me. Yeah. There's very, there's very little, if anything, you can take away from that as a pitch of rock climbing. Yeah, and it sort of flips the the wild iris archetype on its head in that it's steep at the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of t- turns a little more techy. Yeah, um, with some bigger pulls near the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's yeah, it's it's the, yeah, it's almost like it's yeah, the, the businesses are flipped. <laughs> yeah, and there's almost a sloper up there. There's like oh, I don't exist. I don't call it a sloper, but. My wife definitely called it a sloper. <laughs> I know the hold. I, yeah, I can see. I see both sides. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting in the middle of that one. All right, 513 and up. And if needed, you can include your absolute favorite route in this category. Well, I mean, again, I Because think, I know what your favorite route is. I, yeah, I mean, I... Uh, are, we, are we going... We're going best. Best or favorite? This is the one people should do. The one that people should do. What's the one they should do? Hmm. You just made me change my pick. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, this was, we talked about this beforehand, and I was like, I think I know what I'm going to say. And then I'm like, man, now that I'm sitting here in the hot seat, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of really good options because I really do feel that at the Wild Iris, there's great routes at all grades. I really do feel like at the 513 grade, mm-hmm. that's, where the, that's where it's the perfect combination of the technical skills, the fitness. Um, I mean, there are a lot of routes that really shine, especially in the lower 513 range. I think the one you should do is I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call an audible here. I'm going to go with cow reggae on the mm. rodeo wave. Okay. I'm going to go with cow. Why reggae. is that the one you should do here? I think if you are capable of, I think if you are coming here and you are climbing in in the five thirteen plus grade range, that's one that is not to be missed because it is it is a typical little bit of the iris and the features, um, but it is the epitome of what I would consider hard wild iris climbing. Mm. It's got good holds. It's got really cool moves. It's honest. It keeps you honest at the grade. Like you have to, you have to work for that one. That it, it, you yep. know, that is not a gimme. Um, that that uh, that crux on that thing is, it's real. It's real, and it's, it's little it, holds. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you have and you have to be. You have to employ all of the tactics. Mm-hmm. You have to employ good footwork on small holds, on small pockets. Yep. You have to be strong. Um, I just, I think that is that is a real feather in the cap. It's not my favorite. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you there. It even has a, if you should choose to rest in the midst of the 15 moves that are Cal Reggae, there's a rest on a mono. And which, it is a, 
It is feels a cool. casual. You are psyched. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the better holds on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's so funny. You talk about that. It's like, don't rest on the gold pan, rest on the mono. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, good pick. I like that. I was going to say Atomic Cal, which ends mm. on Cal Reggae. Um, yeah. But instead, I'm going to go, when I was a young girl, I had me a cowboy. It was my first 13A here. Um, also an Amy Skinner root, mm-hmm. bolted by Todd Skinner. Um, and I think it's just a a lot of people's first Wild Iris 13A. Sure, yeah. It's not quite as aggressive hold-wise. Um, no. Less potential for injury. Does have some big pulls. Um, I had a really cool moment when I, when I was sending... Um, I had been hiking back there from the red, mind you. I was parking at the main parking, hiking all the way back. Um, there had been draws on it all week. So I'm like, I'm not carrying all that shit. <laughs> I hiked back there with Bill O'Ran. Oh, nice. Um, didn't bring draws. Of course not. There were no draws on the route <laughs> when I got there. So Bill and I cobbled together what we had in our packs. So I had told him, we don't need draws. Yeah cobbled together so i had like three lockers um i had a couple extended draws that i disassembled and i just hung carabiners on the bolts (laughs) and i get to that final move up there where you can do a couple of different things i was making a big move to a sloper Mm -hmm. and there was this massive butterfly sitting on the sloper and i was (laughs) like i could crush the butterfly then i might slip off the sloper Right. So Grease double double whammy, <laughs> you know. So I tried shooing the butterfly away, just hanging on there, and it wouldn't leave. So I fell off. Uh, and then I sent next go. But that's your that's your karma. That's your karma, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Didn't squash the butterfly, so I was allowed nice. through. It was allowed passage. Um, you know the cool thing about, and I think this is different than I think the one thing that really sets young girl apart from all the other five thirteens. At the iris, and I say this, I say that seriously. Like all the other five thirteens, it doesn't matter what your size is. Mm-hmm. There's no matter how. There's about thirty different ways there's you beta. can do that route. Yep. God, I have seen wild sequences. Mm-hmm. You know, and I go up there now and I look at it and I'm like, I don't even remember which holds I grab. You know, like yeah. there's so many things, Chuck. But no matter what you're, you know, like if you're climbing five thirteen, no matter your height, your finger ability, your, you know whatever your nuances whatever that route is 13a yep no matter how you slice it for everyone across the board six seven four eleven like five thirteen yeah and, and that can, is what's so cool about it. it's so approachable yeah and some of the betas like you know there's a wild rose move you could do that a mm-hmm. lot of people do that's the way i did it there's there's some giant moves between underclings and and good down pulls um you've got a great photo of Lindsay doing a massive yeah, the big move off, move the off the underclean yeah um so such a cool yeah. such a cool route yeah all right favorite absolute favorite single personal favorite route at the wild iris cowboy king yeah i, I have not i have not done it so i can't choose it <gasps> i have not even tried it oh my god it's on my list of i gotta finish 100 513s you think by you know a guy <laughs> <laughs> haven't even tried it it's because I, I was always here in the summers. Yeah. No, of course. And it was um, hot over there. 
No, I remember there was, it was, um, I think in the early 2000s when I was, when I had moved back, I had, I'd lived in Bend for a little bit and was climbing at Smith and I came back here and I had a, just a different approach to how I wanted to become a better climber. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the tick lists and I still have them there. I, I refuse to get rid of these things. Um, I mean, I, I printed them out and they have little boxes. Yeah, next of course. To them, you know, and how can they? I not? think I even put some like like some filigree across the top or something <laughs> in Microsoft Word. Yeah, um, but I did that for all like a number of years, like four or five years in a row. And I had these lists at all the all the crags around sinks, and I was like, these are the routes I want to do. And it was everything. And I and I compiled the list by saying, you know, I think there were like twenty routes on there. And I was like, I know I'm going to do some of these, like mm-hmm. claim jumper. You know, like yep. the, there were the claim jumpers on there. I'm like, this is a given. And then there were routes like the Hulahan, where I'm like. I'm probably not going to be able to do this this year, but I want that as a goal. And I had the spectrum and one of the routes on, I think it was my, like my 2004 or 2005 list was Cowboy King because I'd looked at it and it was so intimidating because I'd done Choke Cherry Eyes and American Beauty next to it. But I mean, you know, you're on American Beauty and you look over and you're like, man, that tackles the most like sinister looking part of this cliff. And it's just, it's so intimidating. And it, that was a real, I remember the day I hiked back there to hang draws. I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to doing this thing. Like, and I was still a little, yeah, I was a little spooked by it. I was a little scared of it, you know, I was like, but it was a real experience for me, like projecting that. And it, and what I found out was that it's not nearly as terrifying as it seems, you know, yeah. it's just when you actually are in the belly of that roof and you're, you know, you're sucked up into the undercling and you're doing the wild moves out the lip. Um, it was a very empowering experience Mm. where I was like, okay, I can climb harder routes. I just need to not get in my own way, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember the day I did it, I was like, I don't want to let my feet cut. I don't want to let my feet cut. (laughs) And like, that's the beta. You cut your feet and you campus those last few moves, which just seems so counterintuitive at that point. You're like, I need to be conserving my energy. And it's like, no, like, you know, this mm-hmm. is going to sound so corny, but like, you got to let her buck, you know, I mean, you got to, you got to just like, and, and, you know, when you do, you know, you do that final sequence campusing up to the chains and then you kick your feet back on. I mean, it's like, yeah, that was, it's really cool. And the position is amazing. You're on that same cool buttress. And, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have an emotional attachment to that route for sure, but it yeah. was, it was the first route that really made me decide that I was like, I, I think I want to try hard things here. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I have a very distinct memory of the first route that I made the decision to campus through. <laughs> and, and it felt like this moment, you know, like, oh, I'm, you know, I've crossed the threshold right. now. Well, you know, I, I mean, certainly at this point in my life as a coach, I'm like, keep your feet on, like, <laughs> climb smarter. Come on. <laughs> Save that energy. But yeah, every once in a while. I, I think it's really cool to have, you know, to know the route um, that you had the experience of like, oh, I'm really intimidated by this thing. Uh, it's been sitting there in mm-hmm. plain sight. I've been looking at it for years, you know, building my skill set up until I can finally feel like I'm I'm ready to get on this thing to face my own intimidation. Yeah, and and make it happen. It's yeah. such a such a cool thing, and also nice to have it at your home crag again, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, I, I like reliving those memories now and then, you know, being able to look up at a chunk of rock and being like, fuck, I did that. You know, I climbed on it a few years ago. Um, when we, we just came back when we were down, living down in Salt Lake, we were up and we were back there and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to take a rip up this thing. And mm-hmm. man, I got out, yeah, out in the middle of the roof. And I was like, at first I was like, no way did I ever do this? Like, no way. And then like, you know, <laughs> relearn the beta. I was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I forgot how cool and amazing this is. So yeah. 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 Awesome. What's yours? Mine is Atomic Stetson. Yeah. Maybe one of the worst favorite routes to have. It's it's angry. It's it's not the coolest looking route, but it's got some really cool movement. Yeah. Um the description in the old guide was, you know, step <laughs> off the block and go boom. And and for me, it felt impossible the first time I tried it. And for many years after, I would come back in the summer. I would train specifically for Atomic Stetson. I set a simulator in the gym that was heinous and hurt. <laughs> and I, you know, I could do the simulator like eight times in a row. And then I got to Atomic Stetson and couldn't do the moves. Yeah. You know, it's so strange. It's very bouldery yeah. right off the ground. Super isolating. And you know, I was a. I've made no secret of this on the podcast, but I I came up climbing in a place where it was like climb seventy feet and then try hard. Yeah, and it was literally step off and you're in it. Like it's you hard fully, climbing. If you if you are not fully engaged on yep. move one, like you yeah. you're not going to do that thing. <laughs> yeah, and I had yeah. years where I could like do the bottom boulder problem, no no issues, but then I would couldn't do the top yeah and then years where the top felt really easy and i couldn't do the bottom yeah you know <laughs> which and is funny get like given for those that don't know the length i mean it's what 25 feet yeah maybe you know yeah it's like, like 13 moves or something yeah no <laughs> so but i mean there, there's a distinct difference between the top and the bottom <laughs> very distinct yeah yeah and finally one year like i had written it off i'm like that's oh, done never yeah. gonna do that thing not for me and I had been bouldering a lot, and I'd been doing a lot of wide moves, like really learning to control my body and my tension while extremely wide, um, fully extended, um, both you know between my hands as in compression and hands and feet getting fully extended. Mm-hmm. And I went back to – I was up at the Wild Iris with one of my coaches, Paul, and he got on Cal Reggae, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll, I'll get on Stets and see how it feels. And I'm like – Oh, I could do this thing today and then just did it. Nice. And was like, whoa, what, what the hell just happened? Like the most clear, um, verification that I had become a better climber that I could ever hope to have happened on that route. Yeah. You know, and it was the first time I'd ever entertained doing Atomic Cal, the the extension. Well, and I, I, I had a, not a a similar experience, but I think an experience somewhat like that and i think a lot of people do where that route feels really goddamn hard you know and you're like i don't you know the first time you take the mono or i took it as a mono i know some people stack in Mm -hmm. it but i mean either way you know in the hand like the match you put your hand or your foot over your hand and you're like you want me to do what yeah it you're just like no like i don't move i don't bend that way i'm not strong that way and it just feels ridiculous and then you do it I yeah. mean, I had a similar thing where I was like, I, like I, I'm going to be on this all summer. And then I was like, boom, done. 
Yeah. And where did that come from? I had this experience on it when I was trying Atomic Cow um, shortly after I'd done Stetson, where Sam Elias was here for the festival. Um, he had, I think he tried to onsite or maybe did onsite it. Um, but he had really fought through the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then he watched me climb the bottom. And I remember hearing him while I was climbing laugh and just say, wow. <laughs> And I felt so strong on it. Yeah. Just felt so cool. I also have a very distinct memory of Ronnie Jenkins on that route. (laughs) I have video actually somewhere. Oh, I want to see that. Of Ronnie Jenkins. He climbed through the entire route to the last move. Yeah. The move to the chains Mm -hmm. probably 14 times that day and refused to do the last move before he clipped. So he was trying like hell to get oh, this massive lock off and clip and he fell every single time uh, it was hysterical <laughs> you're like i feel really bad for you buddy <clears throat> but that's that's not 10 tries ago <laughs> hysterical i also watched a video this morning of a dude backflipping off the top of atomic stetson which like you just said it's like 25 feet tall and i was being a gymnastics, fe- former gymnast and gymnastics yeah. coach, I was not impressed by the backflip. I was impressed, however, at the, let's very lovingly call it stupidity <laughs> of backflipping off this 25-foot route with a huge boulder and a tree underneath yeah. it. And he does slam you know, through the tree pretty well. Right. Um, but maybe even... More ridiculous was a comment on the video. I'm going to read it here. Good job. You are really strong. Don't forget to keep your arms straight. That first clip, you did it with a bent left arm. That burns. (laughs) Come on, man. Oh, my God. Come on. Uh, I know what I'm doing as soon as we're done here. I'm Googling. (laughs) All right. Wow. Overlook classics. Couple of hidden gems. Any grade... Yeah. Um, What's your call? So we were talking about, yeah, uh, one of the, I mean, there's a bunch. Uh, I really like Easy Riding. Mm-hmm. I don't even know Easy Riding. Where is it? So, so it's on the road hard wall, just to the right of okay. Wind and Rattlesnakes. There's mm-hmm. actually two routes over there. There's uh, Easy Riding and um, I'm spacing on the name of the 11C. They're both Deidre Burton's roots. They're old. Uh, Deidre and Ted used to own a restaurant here in town. Hmm. Um, and Easy Riding's like 10D. I would I would say. Oh, I do know this route. It's yeah, like very it's, good. It's the one that you can't ever remember the name, but when you do it, you're like, oh my god, why do we not warm up on this every time? Very good. Like tricky that, bottom, really cool sequence up top. Yep, like yeah, little yeah, kind yeah. of like little, yeah, li- yeah. The business is like right off the ground, and you're like, whoa, like five ten, what? And then you kind of pull up, and then it's just like you know, it's like giggle pocket climbing. Yeah, all bring the way a to stick the top. clip for that one. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that one always comes to mind. Um, again, you know, the Zorro. I say Zorro wall just because I, I think that's mm-hmm. it's just overlooked. You know, people just don't go there. Um, not with the frequency that they do to a lot of the other areas. I think that's. Yeah. That's well, that's pretty fantastic. Um, oh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hand. I'm gonna say Gord by Innocent. Mm. I think again, that's that feels that feels like a bit of a gut punch. Yeah, at the grade, 
Yeah, but I re- totally does. But when you do that thing correctly. And requires your fingers to be prepared. Yes, yes. But I think that is a really, that's a really good, um, yeah. I mean, you know, everybody goes for everything over on the hot tamale wall mm-hmm. since it's all right, right there. But yeah, I really like gourd. Yeah, it's an interesting, like, very much a hidden in plain sight route. Mm-hmm. It's right there at the main wall. Yep. Everyone walks right past it. Well, everybody People almost rarely, always goes for two kinds of justice. Yeah. Because exactly. it's way more approachable. Which I was jokingly going to tell you was my favorite route. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gotten up and walked out of here. <laughs> There's, yeah, don't, don't say that, please. Yeah, Gord is a great one. Um, my my single pick for the hidden gem is All Manners of Wonderment. Um, I didn't know if we were including the North Country in this, but yeah. Yeah, I, I am now okay. that it's in the guidebook. Okay, you know, perfect. Used to be kind of a secret crag. Now it's in the guide. Yeah. Um, Papiana Root, 11D. So fun. Phenomenal. So fun. I, don't, I can't think of a day that we go there and I don't do that thing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, best crag, or at least the one with the, the best crag for a group. If you're going out with a group of folks, right. wide range of grades, best place to go. I, uh, I hate to say this because like, are we, are we talking like single, like single chunks, single panels? Cause uh, yeah, we, when you talk about like a area group, that's not broken up by. Terrain. I mean, it's it's hard to argue anything for me other than like the the hot tamale yeah. like devil area because literally so. there are you know if you go from like the right side of the hot tamale wall where you've got Wind River Rose mm-hmm. and and you know which is like what five nine I think yep. and then you know call it you know the Devil Wears Spurs you know prospect like that's your five tens you have some moderately okay five elevens in there that are pretty decent best route at the Iris. Two kinds of justice is right there. No, we didn't go that far. We didn't go that far. We stopped before that. That's why. That's why I specifically stopped at the devil. I see what you're doing. Um, no, but then you've got all the hot tamale wall. Yeah, you know which. You know, I. I mean, can't it, go wrong over there. I, all of those things. All those. You know, the hot tamale wall is just stacked with five twelves. It's mm-hmm. and every single one of them is worth doing. And some are better than others, but I mean, they're all really, really excellent, excellent yep. routes. Yep. Yeah, I I agree with that. Choice. For a group, I think that's, you know, if you've got, you know, if you need wide grade range, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, I mean that what that's, you know, 70 feet, hundred feet wide at that point, you know, so it's not like you're having to like hoof gear back and forth and. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that also means it's probably going to be one of the busiest spots at the Iris. It so. is. Yeah. It's um, almost always busy, but there's a reason, you know, it's yeah. like, there's a reason the, the, the best routes are always glassy and greasy. Like that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, last but not least, favorite rest day activity if you're in Lander on a trip? Um, fit my, I mean, I think it'd be silly to, to not say this. The, I love the slide. Yeah. I love the slide. It, you want it to be above 100. That and, was you, always, and you have to do it once. That was always my least. rule. Like, if we're going to go, that's my rule when we're here now. Now that we're locals, I'm like, if it's above 100 degrees, then I'll go up and do the slide because mm-hmm. I've done it when it's cold and that's, that's not as enjoyable. But no, that could be miserable. This yeah. is mountain water we're talking about here. <laughs> the, the, the slide is, uh, you drive up Sinks Canyon, park at the big, uh, Bruce's parking lot up there. You hike up this trail, they call it the falls trail. And at the top of the falls trail, there is a natural water slide mm-hmm. on the big chunk of granite and you 
jumping with a, up with at the, the, and it's slippery shape, just like a slide. You yeah. drop off into this amazing little pool. Nice little pool. It's, it's, it's pretty unique. I can't, there's not a lot of places in the world you can do that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of fun things to do. You know, I, I think I always tell people the 4th of July is not to be missed. Yeah. You know, that's, but. However, I don't know if we can call the 4th a rest day activity because most <laughs> folks need a rest day after like the 4th. actually fourth. resting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. 4th is off the list. Off but the definitely list. a must do if you're coming to land. Yeah. No, for rest days, I love the slide. That's a fun day. Get a little hike, see something different, get out of town. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, also, if you're, you know, especially if you've got a couple of rest days, Thermopolis is really amazing. Yeah. Um, Super hot springs. Cool. Very unique. And, you know, they've built these, you know, pools, um, swimming pools and saunas and all sorts of things on these hot springs. Uh, Thermopolis is basically a... World's uh, largest natural hot spring, I yeah, think. is a town the, built on top of a hot spring. Yeah. 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 So quite cool. Dinosaur museums mm -hmm. there, lots of them. Um, and I'll also, you know, while while I definitely have a soft spot for how Lander used to be, there's still quite a few very cool shops on Main Street and mm -hmm. yeah. And I it's mean, old western town type of Main Street. So, you know, definitely walking up and down Main Street and stopping in the shops you're interested in is a good rest day. To to plug our little community, yeah. I mean, Lander's a small ranching town. That's always what it's gonna be founded on. I mean, although I it's you know, it's hard to argue with as many you know, people are coming here for climbing and outdoor yeah. recreation. It is cool to see the town grow that way, but it's still a small town. And I, it, yeah, while the, the shop mix downtown can be eclectic depending on yeah. the, the decade or the year. And it's changing. Yeah. But it's always cool because everyone's always psyched when you come in mm -hmm. and you can get a little bit of everything. There's, you know, there's certainly art and food and, um, yeah, a little bit of whatever you want. And it's, it's always very welcoming. I always think that's pretty cool. Yeah, cool and, and special shout out to Wild Iris Mountain Sports, yeah. um, started by Todd and Amy Skinner and some other folks and still there on Main Street, different location, but um, same amazing people. You can get all the beta you need for. Still uh, a true brick and mortar climbing shop too, yeah. which those are, yeah, a dying breed at, yep. in this day and age. Yep. And if you're looking for the you know, camping, climbing, rest day, activity, beta, they're going to have it. Um, we're also going to have a bunch of the those things in our blog post here. Um, so definitely go check that out. The link will be right there in your show notes. Uh, I know you mentioned at the top of the episode where we can find you, um, but let's tell folks again, I'm also going to have those links in the show notes here. Sure. Uh, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, my website is substrateclimbing.com, and that's S-U-B-S-T-R, the numeral eight, climbing.com. And yeah, that's I'm actually going through a website revamp myself, and so hopefully cool. there's more information, updated information on there. But yeah, that's, that's the easiest way to reach me, find me, hit me up with questions, anything like that. Yeah, and if you're, you know, looking to train for a trip to Wild Iris, there, there aren't many people better than Leif to to help you on that journey. He certainly knows the area <laughs> as well or better than anybody else that you're going to find. Well, I mean, you haven't done Cowboy King, so. I know. I, definitely I, better I, than Taking you. myself <laughs> out of the running here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys know where to find us. Uh, we're at Power Company Climbing on the Instagrams, Facebooks, the Pinterests, I think we're still there, and the YouTubes for sure. Um, 
you can look for us all over the Twitter and I would love it if you shared this episode on the Twitter to all of the other people Twittering or whatever it is they do, but you're not going to find us there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this